Hello, it's Gareth. This is the Somewhere on Earth podcast. And my goodness me, it's Tuesday the 6th of February 2024. And we're in our London studio. And with us today for some expertise is Angelica Mowry, all the way over there in Sao Paulo. And uh, it's so nice to do this with you, Angelica. Always a pleasure, never a chore. And uh, well, how are you? Hey, I'm I'm great, thank you. I just got back from the Amazon. Man, it was a lovely trip. And I was just reminded how vast Brazil is. Well, I mean, can you give me an idea of scale? Because you're in Sao Paulo. So that is south of Rio de Janeiro, to show my yeah. s- slight yeah. geographical knowledge there. So, yeah, any comparison about distance from where you are in Sao Paulo up to the Amazon? Yeah, so I'm based in Sao Paulo, so from Belen in the Amazon region, which is one of the cities I was in, that's about two and a half thousand kilometres away. It's a bit like travelling from London to Lapland. In oh, wow. I love that comparator. Um, but you didn't see any snow or Father Christmas, obviously, when you got there. Completely, well, obviously, completely, completely different environment. Even I know that. Uh, what kind of stuff were you doing up there then, Angelica? I, I was there to learn how biotechnology, together with traditional knowledge, is being used to develop products like cosmetics uh, based on the standing rainforest. So people have been learning how to... Um, earn more with the uh, preserved rainforest rather than uh, uh, working on deforestation. So really interesting. Fascinating. It, it sounds like it. And did you come away with a good feeling about how that's panning out? Was this a bit of a PR job to try and convince everybody, convince everybody it's okay? Or were you convinced? Uh, actually, it was quite a, an honest picture of uh, where we are. In that regard, uh, I think it there is a it is a good promise, but it's something that takes a lot of time, and you can't force feed into uh, all communities. Mm. So it takes time to uh, to learn how to do this, uh, how to use tech to uh, to to earn money from the uh, preserved rainforest and to preserve it and to. Um, and to protect and to to actually um, uh, bring back some uh, endangered species, even even. And um, but it's not a trivial process at all. Well, what a trip! Uh, thank you for bringing us up to speed on that, Angelica. Now, do you fancy a bit of somewhere on Earth, somewhere else on Earth, other than the Amazon? Let's go <laughs> for it. Okay, let's do it. Here's the show. And coming up today. Hundreds of people, most of them completely innocent, ended up in prison because the organisation for which they worked messed up in one of the biggest ever IT scandals. So what can firms learn when it comes to rolling out computer systems while not showing contempt for those who use them? Well, that's up for discussion today. And there's drama elsewhere. One of our listeners has actually written and recorded one. The subject matter? Well, only this podcast. It's all right here on the Somewhere on Earth podcast. (music) 
So let's start with that tech outsourcing scandal. It's been going on for years in the UK. It's been news for years too, but it became really big news in recent weeks when it was dramatised on primetime TV in this country. Um, in its sheer scale and shockingness, this is definitely up there with any big international IT scandal. It's the story of the UK post office and an IT system forced on the owners of small post offices or sub-post offices. The software messed up the bookkeeping and saw thousands of innocent postmasters and mistresses, sub-postmasters and mistresses actually, accused of false accounting and fraud. Hundreds even then went to prison. I told you it was bad. Now, if you're in India, you may have heard this story in your headlines because many of those wrongfully convicted had Indian backgrounds. The post office has been accused of using racist language in official guidance to investigators. Well, let's hear more now about the scandal, and then we'll go on to have a chit-chat about what IT companies can learn from it. Let's start with you, producer Anya, here in the studio. Can you just... Give us a fill that out for us then. I've set the scene there. What did go wrong? So Horizon Software was the first electronic network till that the British Post Office used. This is known as EPOS, so the electronic point of sale system that replaced paper tills, streamlining accounting to apparently the push of a button. So the contract to develop and implement the system uh, for not only the post office originally, but also the benefits agency in the Department of Social Security was awarded to a company called ICL Pathway Limited, which was majority owned by the Japanese company Fujitsu, which is why you keep hearing their name associated with this. By 1998, the project was two years behind schedule, costs had spiralled upwards, and the Labour government at the time decided to scrap the benefits side of the project. Unfortunately, though, the software system uh, was rolled out across British post offices and it was plagued with problems despite some of these problems being documented in early trials in 1999. So by 2001, hundreds of bugs had been found. For example, one would see the screen freeze at the point the operator was confirming the receipt of payment. Each time the operator pressed enter, the records would be updated without their knowledge. I'm sure you've done this before, Gareth, where you kind of think, oh, God, it hasn't worked. I'll press it again. I'll press it again. Uh, and this all accumulated in the post office in Dalmellington in Scotland, where the bug was first reported. It created a debt of £24,000 on the account. The post office then tried to hold the operator responsible. Another bug created duplicated transactions. Again, it was the post office operators sat behind the counters who were held. So to say the least, the system was absolutely riddled with bugs. Were there any other issues? Yes, quite simply, the software didn't meet the required standards, despite the post office claiming that neither it or Fujitsu could edit the accounts. This was simply not true. They could access these accounts. This was later found. Horizon cost a total of 1.25 billion US dollars to install in 18,000 sub-post offices across Britain. More than 900 people were prosecuted, 700 convicted, 236 of those went to prison. Some took their own lives, others died before the scandal gathered so much press attention. Many others are still living under the shadow of false accusation. And in 2021, it was announced that a new system will replace Horizon. 
Okay, Anya, thank you for that uh, briefing there. Um, Let's talk then to Susie O'Neill in the studio with us. Uh, She's a brand and marketing consultant and she helps businesses to build trust. So that's quite a hint about why we've booked you (laughs) for this this interview, Susie. Um, And also we should say that you host uh, the Insight Story Tech. I see what you've done there. Insight Story so that's Insight Story, the, the Insight Story Tech Trends Podcast. There, I've said it three times, so everyone's picked Insight it up Insight Story Tech Trends Podcast. <laughs> you said it so much better. You probably say it more often than I do, don't you? Right, OK. Susie, obviously, this was a complete Horlicks for the post office a textbook case of what not to do, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, um, what's really, really changed and brought this into the public realm, and I think a really interesting insight here, is this was covered in the trade press. So Computer Weekly covered this quite frequently. It was covered in some of the niche and specialists and also some of the the broadsheet and mainstream press. But it was only when it made it onto TV as a drama that people responded to it. And I think it created, to me, a very emotional response of how people feel feel about injustice, but also about technology. Um, And I think for any of those listeners out there who've lived through the 90s technology, and I certainly when I started to work, I experienced technologies like WordPerfect. I don't know if you remember that one. (laughs) Uh, We have little boxes that you you go and type things in. And and it's that sort of flashback feeling of technology where you don't understand how it works and, and it feels beyond your control. And we were left feeling at the end of this experience also quite, quite disempowered and then seeing how, how these, these, uh, um, uh, people working at the post office were treated by the state and the people that put their trust in. So for me, there was also some some very big red flags about how users are treated in that journey. Um, and in the inquiry that's going on at the moment, um, the, the, some of the judges said that they had dehumanised the users, so the workers um, who, who are using this technology. And there's an example, um, someone just recently who's starting to make their claim known, a lady called, uh, Adi, uh, called Teju Adadeo. And her family came from Nigeria she went to work as a postmistress. She really believed in this, this British ideal of trust and justice and working for the post office where you have pictures of the Queen and you're selling stamps uh, at that time. Um, and they, they accused her and, and forced her into confession saying she'd stolen money, which she hadn't done. And she didn't have a lawyer. So, And people were very, very confused because they weren't trained properly how to use this technology. So that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there about not trusting your users. And when your users, or 900 of them in this case, are coming back and saying that this isn't working or this is not right, um, instead of saying, OK, we've got a serious problem here before it got to 900, um, it, was, it was made to feel that because so much investment had been made in that technology, that the state couldn't say, no, we're going to abandon it or we're going to go back and look and we're going to go back and, and check and work with those users to work out what exactly has gone wrong in those cases. Yeah. So to me, that was one of the, the most startling and, and disturbing things that came through in the, in the drama that was on television was just like how, how disempowered those users felt and how little they were trusted. Yeah, many of whom were not particularly IT literate. He wouldn't expect mm. them, especially at that time, to have mm. been IT literate. And they're given the choice between going to prison or confessing in inverted commas to something for which they're not guilty, for which then you know they have a like a smaller um, punishment than going to prison. So um, it was, and yet of course you had the post office, and Anya mentioned their Fujitsu, the um, company behind the software, and they both just claimed the systems were robust, didn't they? Even when it was becoming absolutely obvious, when investigative journalists had 
revealed how badly it was working, they still said, nope, this stuff is working. It's robust. And that was used a lot in, in the drama and in the reporting around it. But nowadays, you just wouldn't take that approach. You'd use things called adult methodologies if you were developing software. So you'd hopefully, if you were developing software well, you'd test it with a smaller user group and get their feedback. And that's really important for accessibility when we're talking about digital communications, that your users might may have disabilities or they may not know how to use some of the technologies and need um, excessive amounts of training or support. So not providing that support to the users as well as not testing it and then releasing a software that they knew had bugs in it as well. So there was lots lots of layers of really, um, I guess, I guess institutional corruption within that. Um, and I got some feedback uh, today from a lady called Kat Keeley. She's a transformation consultant who's worked for the United Nations, a brilliant person who really understands organisational change. And she described it to me as systematic malaise because basically you've got one bit of a corporate system, in this case Fujitsu, and in another case working with the post office, and they're all blaming each other possibly or not taking ownership over the problems. And it should be a contract issue. If it's not working, it should go back to the contract and say we've paid you this much money you're going to fix it or we've agreed that you need to train those users and be there to support those users not just tell them they're wrong or they don't understand the system so there's there's a lot of things from a contractual and legal point of view that just just didn't happen when it should have done with the amount of of investment made from from public money angelica so many things to learn from this i'm guessing including around it management and we've heard some of susie's perspectives there but so where do you see it from that kind of it management point of view. Stay with us. We'll be right back. AI is changing the game of business. Will you be on the winning team? I'm Jordan Wilson, the host of the Everyday AI podcast and your coach to help you learn the X's and O's of AI. Artificial intelligence isn't just a new player in the game, it's a new sport altogether. So if you don't quickly put AI into play, your competitors will run up the score. I've spent my whole life building winning teams, from coaching basketball to working with big players like Nike and Jordan Brand. My next move, helping you win with Everyday AI. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or on everydayaipodcast.com. Let's tap into AI together and put points on the board. Yeah, I, I, Susie made some really good points from the, especially from the uh, the user side of things. But I, I think this uh, this case really illustrates uh, the need for for comprehensive validation before you go and deploy an IT system, and especially when uh, you talk about systems that are handling uh, really sensitive financial transactions. Uh, you need to ensure that you have monitoring as well and, and continuously uh, built into the uh, the system lifecycle, as it were. And by that, I mean um, regular auditing, uh, using technologies as well, like AI to, to detect uh, system malfunction. And of course, build user feedback sessions into these uh, monitoring processes. You can't just roll out a system like that and walk away. No, sure. And in the investigations that have come to light recently, and indeed we've been going on for ages, this isn't a new story, um, that it was clear that there were people involved in the IT who knew very well it wasn't working. You know, they'd gone through some of the validation and found that it actually failed. And yet they were still under pressure to roll it out to the post office branches, maybe thinking, well, you know, we'll fix it as we go along. It'll be okay. And uh, obviously we we saw the fallout. Um, We're also commenting there, Angelica, about the amount of public 
public money that had been um, poured into this. And, of course, this whole issue that, you know, when you've put over a billion dollars worth of public money into a project, you're not going to just switch it off very simply. I suppose, Angelica, this comes down to the problem of very large contracts, especially those you know, outsourced in the public sector. Yeah, you can just, uh, uh, it, it's very difficult uh, once you make such a massive financial commitment to just abandon a, a project like that. Um, despite the, this huge impact it, it, it has on uh, users. And, and I think more broadly, there is an issue in the UK about being able to demonstrate taxpayers are getting value for money in IT projects, really. Uh, this is also not a new story. It's something I've covered for many years, also at Computer Weekly, uh, where my good friends have been covering this Horizon story for many, many years. Um, there was actually a report by the House of Commons in December that pointed out that m many issues around the quality and the uh, completeness of data on contracts and also the, uh, the departments don't do enough to ensure competition for contracts. So when something goes wrong like that, in, uh, like the, in the case of uh, Horizon, the government is literally with their hands tied. Yeah, with public money <laughs> along the way. Exactly. <laughs> so Susie, back here in the studio then, you have, I was reading this uh, LinkedIn post that you put together about this whole debacle and uh, you kind of conclude with your three T's you know it's lovely that you know you get the rule of thirds it's a nice pithy um, little trio of things that we can take away from this so what are your three T's? Yeah so, so if you're a business and you're developing technology and it doesn't really matter what level you're at or how much budget you have think about these three things so the first one is about testing and testing is not the thing you do at the end okay Hint, yeah. you do it as you go along uh, you could call it service design as well so it's really about bringing those users in early on and if you don't have money I've done testing of websites where you just you know you, you get some people that uh, represent your typical users pay them a small amount of money get them in a room and get them doing and testing the technology and seeing how it works so you, at whatever level you can do rounds of testing as you're developing the product so that's the first T the second one is transparent so particularly when you're dealing with public money as a, as a big company or a state institute you need to be transparent when things are going wrong and why are you doing things what are you doing to fix them Owning up when things don't go according to plan. Um, and the third one is about training. You really have to look after those end users. They're not idiots. They just need the support to really be able to do um, the work that they need to do with their technology. When we're talking about business software, they haven't chosen it, okay? So they're not going out there and picking an app that they like to use. They're forced into using that technology, but you have to get them to, they might not love it, but at least, at least like it and, and want to understand it and want to be on the side of it. Um, and I don't know, some listeners of a certain age might know the expression, computer says no. <laughs> uh, and we don't want to have that feeling when people are using our software that oh, the computer is telling us it can't do this and, and we're wrong uh, and we're not smart enough to use this technology. That's all about training and support and empowering your users to really feel delight in the technology that they're using. Yeah, so yeah, computer says no, or in this case, computer says you owe us £30,000 <laughs> that you didn't owe us and you're going to prison. So, um, Angelica, let's just wrap this one up with you then, and we'll, we'll do some more chat in the uh, podcast extra. But um, the, the human side of uh, project management, and we've heard there the three T's, all of them with that human tinge from Susie, and you're very interested in this, Angelica, aren't you? 
Yeah, I think uh, as well as the uh, the technical aspects uh, that Susie very well pointed out, um, I think it's important to understand understand the uh, the impacts on individuals in a situation like this. Um, and I think that's where very thorough IT due diligence comes in. So doing due diligence means vetting the systems and the companies that will implement the systems very thoroughly, but also uh, understanding the ethical considerations and also, very importantly, having uh, safeguards in place against any potential negative impacts on people it's about being proactive rather than reactive, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, let's carry on uh, this conversation for some of our, um, well, all of our subscription listeners. By the way, folks, if you want to subscribe, uh, I'm afraid we have to keep the lights on somehow, so we're going to ask you for a bit of money, $10 uh, per month. And for your subscription, you get extra chat with Angelica, who's on form. You can he- hear her there. And, of course, Susie here in the studio. And I want to find out much more about brand management and you know, how you could mitigate scandals like these, if there's any way back and so on. And, and also, what we're going to do in the podcast extra is pick up on the discussion discussions we had last week about AI regulation and we've picked out a top expert who has some amazing things to um, to take us through and a few things to think about in AI regulation. So there we are. That's coming up in the podcast extra. You can access it uh, for $10 a month. Your podcatcher should make it relatively easy for you to access it um, but you can also go to our website. That's somewhereonearth.co. Two buttons. The one on the left is to subscribe. The one on the right is to donate. Thank you, folks. All right, then. We love our listeners. All of our listeners, even those who don't subscribe, we love all of you. <laughs> so, And that isn't something they've made me say out of some kind of desperate platitude or anything. I, honestly, I mean that. Because, you know, really, pretty much the first time I sat at a microphone, all those many years ago, and I went on this old contraption that we used to have called radio... Ever since then, I've so strongly believed that there's no point in doing any of it, really, if there isn't an audience to talk to. So you matter, dear audience. You know, without you listening, it's like trying to clap with just one hand. So we want your voice memos. We want your non-voice messages. We just want your approval. Look, I know I'm sounding a bit needy in these early days. Hopefully you can bear with me. Um, So you can just imagine, anyway, how all of us on this team did a little happy dance when a mini radio drama, no less, dropped from esteemed listener Floyd Kennedy, who, by the way, is listener subscriber number 79. Her radio piece needs no introduction. Actually, that was quite a long introduction, wasn't it? Anyway, whatever. Picture the scene, right? We're in the doctor's surgery, and the doc is running a little bit late. Mrs. Doc. I'm a bit early for my checkup. Oh, oh, that's all right. But Dr. Singh is running late today. We had a couple of emergencies. Do you mind waiting? Not at all. I'm not in a hurry. And I've got a podcast all lined up on my phone to listen to. Podcast? Do you listen to podcasts? I certainly do, don't you? Oh, yes, I love them, but I didn't think people like you would be listening to them. Is that so? May I ask why not? Excuse me? I said... May I ask why not? Why wouldn't I, or people like me, be listening to podcasts? Aren't they for everyone? Oh, 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 oh yes. 
I just, I, 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 I just, I... What? Come on out with it. You didn't think older people like me would be up with the latest things like podcasts, did you? Well, I, I, I just thought, oh, to be honest, Mrs. Doherty, I didn't think at all. It just slipped out. I'm so sorry. Of course you could be listening to podcasts at any age. What is it this time? What are you following? Would I like it? Oh, possibly. Are you interested in the way modern technology is affecting us all over the world? Gosh, that sounds a bit grand, a bit maybe too specialist for me. What sort of podcasts do you listen to then? Well, I like the ones when the comedians get together and, and they make up stuff. Well, plenty of those to keep you entertained. Aye, but you know, I, I am interested in the technology, just, you know, in a very, uh, I, I don't really understand it kind of a way. I'd love to learn more about it, but it's so... Uh, I don't know, technical? More for cleverer people than me. Some of it, yes, I'd agree. But I tell you why I like this one. It's because they pick up on something that's emerging or developing, whatever you like to call it, and they interview proper experts who can explain it. They, you know, they break it down within reason and talk about whether it's having a positive effect on various communities or or maybe if they can see problems that we need to be aware of. I'd just like to stay informed. What's it called? Somewhere on Earth podcast. <laughs> and that's what it does. It looks at what's going on in the techie-related stuff somewhere on Earth. Such as? Could be Kenya or Brazil or Mongolia or Middle England, anywhere. You should try it. I don't think you'd find it too hard to understand. Wasn't there a programme on the BBC that used to do that? Gary someone... Oh, Gareth. Gareth Mitchell. Yes, same team. The BBC went on a money-saving rampage and closed it down, so they started up independently. So you listened to Digital Planet? My brother did, and I would just happen to overhear sometimes... Didn't dare get any closer. He would tease me. Hmm. Brothers, eh? They need a dose of their own medicine sometimes. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, excuse me. Yes? Yes, she's here, Dr. Singh. Okay, I'll send her up. Mrs. Doherty, he's ready for you now. Thank you. See you later. Somewhere on Earth, maybe. Oh, that's so good. Floyd Kennedy, right there, who put that little drama together for us. And uh, for you cynics out there who think, oh, I bet they wrote that for her and just made her do that. Honestly, we didn't. And the reason you know that we didn't is because it wouldn't have been that good. So, Floyd, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending that over. So, dear listener, if you want to send in your mini radio dramas, we, of course, would absolutely love them. So, the very least you can do is is leave us, like, a little voice message. If Floyd can write a radio drama, then I think that least some of you can do come on just leave us a little voice memo on our whatsapp it is code 44 7486 329 484 um 7486 329 and um just by a very lucky coincidence susie in the studio here you um in a in a previous life earlier in your career you had some involvement in radio drama yourself so i did, what did i you did make of that? i thought floyd has set the bar very very high great recording uh, the voices were absolutely gorgeous i 
love the Scottish accent. They could have maybe like put some custom music to put your da 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 sting. Mm. Yeah. That would that would be beautiful. So, like next time, like original music composition makes a real big difference to to podcast. But a, a fantastic, very heartwarming effort. So, <laughs> I actually worked on a, a drama called The Archers, which is quite well known to British listeners. It's a sort of country tale of farming folk. Oh, but not, unfortunately, yeah. one of the actors died in the studio while I was working there. But I didn't do it. <laughs> you can't leave that story hanging. <laughs> and I, that's for the bonus. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's so harsh. Putting that in the bonus. That's oh, okay. We'll probably get a few subscribers just listen to that story. I don't want to know how did a, somebody die in a studio that I know you had no involvement. Don't sue me. We're not suggesting anything. Um, final word from you, Angelica, and we need to go. So, uh, did you do you enjoy the the drama there? Did you feel I'm just delighted? And uh, have I heard thing? it right? Did you put out a challenge out there? No, we didn't. Floyd just sent it in. No, but you challenged, you challenged well, our listeners. Well, I said uh, just a voice memo would be nice and wasn't quite expecting to get that back again. So we loved it <laughs> so much we played it in. And Floyd, by the way, has her own podcast. And um, the name of the podcast is Am I Old Yet? So that's Floyd's podcast. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Am I Old Yet? Yeah, so do check that out as well. So... Um, I think we've done all the business, apart from, very importantly, Susie, as you're an esteemed guest on this programme, we can offer you a listener-subscriber stroke number. I'm very excited. Could I have the mystical number of 777? Right, let me look it up. It's unallocated. Um, well, I, I, I was going to allocate it. We just need to very quickly just pull the SUDS committee together. Anya, who's now back in the control space, can Susie have 777? It would be... Awkward if not. Yeah, why? Do you love large, wide-bodied Boeing two-engine aeroplanes? No, it's, it's, it's a very, very mystical number. And um, in the old days of CDs, I put an album in a limited edition of 777. Oh, OK, OK. That's, uh, <laughs> is that a good enough reason, Anya? Does that get through the committee? Um, what about um, Stevie over there next to you, audio engine? Yeah, Stevie's giving oh. a thumbs up. Angelica, you could screw this up by vetoing it. Are you going to use any power of veto or are we going to pass that through for Susie? No, I was going to ask her why the 777, but I'm satisfied. Good. As long as that answer satisfies you, otherwise we can't approve it. So, so we yes. must be, you must be moving on to four digits soon anyway. <laughs> we will that. do. At some point, it'll take some time, but we're working on it. Okay, that is granted. That's a big moment there right here on the podcast. We'll do a few other uh, listener subscriber numbers as well very soon. Uh, in other words, when we get round to it. So just keep suggesting them, folks, and we'll, we'll do a whole kind of batch of them. Okay, right. What do I need to tell you? I've given you the WhatsApp. The email is hello at somewhereonearth.com co and we're on social media just search for us somewhere on earth podcast the global tech podcast you should find us just about okay there audio this week has been by stevie arnoldi here at lanson's team farner the production manager is liz tui we've had uh, susie and angelica in the studio with us today the editor is anya Likterovic, and my name apparently is gareth uh, the last time i looked thanks for listening see you soon bye 